somewhere in the Houston Midtown area. It's the Sit Down with Slick Vic. Welcome everyone, it's the Sit Down with Slick Vic. Got a very special guest today, uh, Charles Titworth, private bass instructor. Charles, thanks for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Well, I'm honored to be invited. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I know you've been uh, in Texas for a while. All um, my life. All your life. Yeah. Um, Houston all your life? No, I'm a Yankee. <laughs> I love the Yankees. I'm from Dallas. Oh, <laughs> not, not New York. That's, uh, that's, that's well, what we'll I talk about New York. We'll get to that. <laughs> I always think of my Yankees when uh, people yeah. say Yankee. So, yeah, but Dallas, you know, they're... Not very liked here, but... Uh, it's <laughs> very think, different from Houston. Think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you were born in Dallas, and did you grew up there, or did you eventually... I grew up it? there and uh, went to uh, college at North Texas. Okay. And uh, undergrad and then graduate at, in SMU and pulled out of Dallas as soon as I could. <laughs> what did you uh, What did you major in? When oh, you were, music. Music, yeah, music. And, uh, and this... Music the education bass. and bass uh, at North Texas, and then conducting at SMU, orchestral conducting. So for those of you that are just hearing, we're not talking about the guitar bass. We're talking about the string instrument bass, and this thing is huge. Um, how much does that weigh? You know, I never, <laughs> about, I never weighed it. About. Oh, is it, pretty, it must be 40 pounds 40. or so, yeah. So you were, you, when did you start playing? Well, when I was uh, in the... Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And what, what drew you <laughs> to the well, bass? Well, um, I was just attracted to the sound of the orchestra. Okay. And the, uh, the orchestra teacher went to our elementary school and did a performance. And she had a great smile, and I thought it would be a wonderful thing to do. So growing up, um, what type of music did you uh, listen to? I was always drawn to, uh, uh, drawn to classical music. Classical? Yeah. And it was just a natural thing. It wasn't imposed on me or anything. Okay. Um, any any particular composers or just, just any type of... Well, it, you know, when you're young, you're drawn to certain composers, uh, uh, Tchaikovsky and Mussorgsky and the like. And then as I grew older, I was uh, I got into opera and uh, more heavier composers. Okay. Um, was it one of those things when... You started. You you first started playing it. That you just instantly found love and would just practice all the time. It or? clicked right away. Mm -hmm. Right away. Yeah, what, right. It didn't. Uh, like, what did you think you you picked it up fairly quickly? Or? I did. I was uh, moved to the from beginner to the advanced class uh, second semester, and I started studying with uh, the principal bass in, in the Dallas Symphony. And uh, uh, really took to it immediately. That's that's awesome. Um, so you said then you uh, you went to North Texas, and while you were there, um, I, I guess when you when you're a part of the music program, you're you're just giving a lot of performances all the time. Is that right. usually how it works? Right. Um, did you ever have to like any solo stuff? Uh, rarely. Uh, Basses of uh, rarely used in solo performance. But, uh, you know, some chamber music and a lot of orchestral music and opera. Did you, uh, how, how did you handle the nerves? Did you get nervous when you're doing these performances? Not if you're prepared. See, I, I love that. I, love that. <laughs> I, I always tell people, they're always like, hey, good luck, good luck. See, I don't believe in luck. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I always go with the old, uh, 
a wooden saying that says, uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Whoa. You know, and uh, mm. I feel like if you're prepared, mm. then there's really no reason to then get you're nervous. Confident right? and you're enjoying it. You get into it, yeah. So we're at uh, North Texas and get our degree there, and then you went to SMU? Right. And uh, what, what, why did you choose SMU? Is it well, they local? chose me. Oh, they, okay. they needed a bass player. Unfortunately, there uh, there is a great demand for bass players, uh, for good bass players. And at the time, uh, a friend of mine at, who was in SMU uh, referred me, said, oh, I, he'd, uh, the conductor there said, we need a bass player, and he referred me. And, uh, and that's who I wanted to study conducting with anyway. And so things sort of fell into place. Now, we're at SMU. Uh, I guess you want to leave North Texas all uh, so quickly. Oh, no, we, we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to talk about the, the just the overall college sure. experience. So how, how was that uh, experience like at North? Well, around what time was this when you were oh, at North Texas? Oh, this was uh, mid to late 60s. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. the happy times. Oh, it was. <laughs> and I was, uh, um, I was in the sort of hippie vanguard. Okay, and, okay. Uh, um, uh, even uh, Summer of Love, 67, went to San Francisco. And oh, wow. I was on the, uh, uh, the uh, six-and-a-half-year degree program. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. Right? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important to take your time and really enjoy it because those times are rare, and they, too soon they're gone, you know. Um, we'll, we'll go back to North Texas, but you, you bring up San Francisco – um, how was that like? What 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 was uh, that whole that whole experience? That whole vibe that you had going on over there in the West it Coast? Was, it was heaven, you know. But it was uh, it was pretty much an illusion. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to say, um, you know, I, I got a, a peace symbol and and did all the things hippies are supposed to do. Uh, I won't get specific. Right, right. We, we, we can use our imaginations. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I was there just a week, but felt like I'd gotten firmly entrenched. And would you say that that kind of uh, impacted you to the point where it maybe kind of made you see things differently? And it well, it did. Uh, but, you know, the next year was 1968, and that was the year of the assassinations of uh of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King, and I—that's when I felt like the hippie movement was an illusion. That, mm. that peace is ephemeral. Uh, was that the same year as JFK as well? No, that was '63. As a matter of oh, fact, okay. I, I saw that parade. I oh, was wow. in Dallas and saw that parade. I wasn't at the site, but uh, what I mean, talk about the. How old were you at that time? We I was eighteen. Okay, so you, you're already, you know, definitely aware of your surroundings, what's oh, going yeah. on. How was? How did that affect the country? What was? What was that whole after after the the JFK assassination? Well, the, the city was stunned, and I worked downtown, and it was uh, uh, I was in the daze, and I, I didn't go back to my job. I was supposedly on a lunch break. You know, it happened right at right at one, and I didn't go back to my job because I was just in a daze. And um, uh, the whole, of course, the whole city was uh, it was in shock, and uh, and the next day, uh, uh, the uh, his assassin was murdered. Right. And so it was it was like pow pow, you know, incredible. We didn't know what was happening, you know. Um, um, 
uh, who am I trying to say? Uh, LBJ was uh, was uh, uh, sworn in on the tarmac uh, in Dallas on the way back to to Washington D.C. because they weren't sure if it was a if it was a plot, if, right. they, if they were all trying to get murdered or something. And after the uh, RFK and, and Martin Luther King, it was like, you know, what's, who's, who's murdering these? Because these were the good people, Malcolm X. Right. These were the people who were going to be the leaders. And it, it makes me tear up to think, uh, you know, if Martin Luther King had lived, uh, he'd be on the Supreme Court or he would have been president. You know, and and uh, all those the, those uh, people we were robbed of, and 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 this was also Vietnam sixties. Vietnam, yes. That that was in the sixties or seventies. Yes, 60s. oh yes. Talk a little bit about about that whole, you know, shit. <laughs> well, I demonstrated that, a lot, and, yeah, and uh, um, and marched and and also against racism in in Denton of all places. And Denton had a had a burgeoning uh, hippie and left wing SDS. You know that you've heard of the SDS Students for a Democratic Society. Okay, yeah. Uh, and but it was all very much uh, undercover because you, you there was a good deal of paranoia for many reasons. Uh, my uh, my girlfriend's uh, roommate uh, got in trouble uh, for. Um, uh, she, there was a rule then that girls couldn't wear blue jeans. Wow. And uh, the Where, six, like in, six, in, 67. In, in the 68. city? Or yeah, where? no, on campus. Oh, okay. And um, uh, she uh, put on a skirt over her blue jeans <laughs> and got in trouble with that. You know, that was smart ass. Yeah. And, uh, and so we were picketing the student union building and the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, Dean's name was Imogene Dickey. That that just oh yeah, it's easy to make fun of. You it, just need <laughs> and there was the underground newspaper called her I'm a Tricky Dean, yeah, which was perfect. But uh, uh, so we were demonstrating and uh, 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 all that stuff, and uh, uh, so it was it was heady times. It really was, and we we thought we were. You know, like the head of a great movement, and we were. There was a movement, but you know, it was very isolated and and dent and and and. Uh, but I was glad to be there at that time. You know, you when you when you try to compare the way things are now mm. to the way they they, they were then. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have you have you saw both times. Mm. Talk a little bit about how you feel. Things have changed. Maybe the progress um, from from your perspective. Yeah. Well, personally, I grew up in a, a Southern Baptist home. Okay. So, uh, and I believed a good deal of that, and they were good Republicans. And fortunately, I, at North Texas, I fell in with uh, with the liberal group and with the English majors and philosophy majors and the like, rather than music majors. I'm glad I did that. It made me more rounded. And uh, and I was able to see the error of my ways pretty quickly and and became uh, uh, quite liberal. And, you know, Eugene McCarthy and, and all the, the, um, the left-wing uh, uh, side of the Democratic Party. And, uh, well... 
Where should I? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, it's been gradual, and it's been long overdue. And it's uh, two steps forward and one step back far too often. You know, we had, we had the Trump uh, mistake right. for four years, four damn years. But uh, uh, the, uh, what is it, uh, the arch of justice, mm -hmm. uh, help me complete it, uh, bends towards um, justice. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you know, you, he, you know, Trump followed Obama. Right. right. So you right. had you had that swing was inevitable. Mm -hmm. We didn't see it though. We thought, yeah. Uh Sam and I went out on uh, uh Montrose Boulevard after Obama's first election and and we're just dancing in the street, literally. Yeah. And cars walking by and honking. And we thought, well, there went racism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how how uh how wrong were we? How naive, right? uh -huh. Yeah. Um so at, at this time, you know, you're at North Texas, mm -hmm. um, you're, you're, you're attracted to, to the, the liberal people, you're, you're right. kind of seeing um, a different perspective. Was that just a small percentage of the campus population or was that a large portion of it? At that time, it was a small, but I think as, the, as a new freshman class came in, as eventually more and more freshmen came in, you know, because uh, when you're 18, and you know the the Beatles and all the the the, the rock uh, revolution and uh, everything, I think it changed rather quickly. Mm, yeah, the Beatles but, had a but, big impact. You know, it took it took the new freshmen coming in, I think, really to do it. Because I don't think it changed many minds. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it now, you know, when when people talk about college campuses, you know, very liberal. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's done a complete 180. Right. You know, nowadays you you go to college campuses and people are more open minded. Right. Um, and it's usually what it is, right? The people that that go out and get that education, that higher education, mm -hmm. um, especially like here in Texas. You know, I feel like when I when I went to college um, and took history, like <laughs> the history that I learned was not what they were teaching me. <laughs> Uh, in, in in elementary or middle school, right. high school, they, right. they they leave a lot of stuff out, mm -hmm. or they word things a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things where, you know, what happened happened in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't go back and change it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I almost feel like they want to kind of, kind of just pat it, kind of kind of sugarcoat it, yeah. to to kind of keep their control. You know, mm -hmm. keep keep their agenda flowing, especially the racism. Oh yeah, you know, um, you know, it's always funny when people are like, "Oh, you know, slavery happened so long ago. Get over it." It's like, <laughs> are you serious? I mean, do you not know <laughs> what was going on? You know, just forty years ago. Mm -hmm. What's going on now in right. some places? Right, and people have to realize uh, if you're black and driving down the street, a black male, young black male driving down the street. You probably feel intimidated every time a cop car comes in sight. You know this is this is a reality, and and you could be pulled over and, and murdered right on the spot. And that's no exaggeration. It has happened. Right, and and you know, I get it. You know, if you're not black or young, or, or mm -hmm. you know, you, you, it's hard for you to put yourself in their shoes. But mm 
I mean, the, there's just too much evidence, you know, mm-hmm. things that have happened mm-hmm. where you just have to, no one's asking you to feel guilty. No one's asking you to change the world, but just kind of, mm-hmm. kind of understand that mm-hmm. things are a little bit different for you mm-hmm. than they are for them. Right. You know? It's the white privilege thing that some people don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, what, what were kind of some of the, uh, some of the highlights for you. So you're 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 going to class, doing doing the music thing, getting exposed to all these new ideas. Um, was there anything else going on there for you? Uh, you know, uh, uh, romantic. I had a very intense uh, relations with a girlfriend, and uh, it was the summer of love there around yeah, that time. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they call indeed. Um, so, so you, so you then you went to SMU and I'm assuming you go to SMU to get like a, like a more advanced degree. Right. A graduate degree in, in orchestral conducting. And, and I sort of took a turn, a little bit of a turn there. Uh, I've decided to pull things in a little bit cause SMU was a Dallas and SMU is more conservative. It's a private school, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Methodist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I, since I was on full scholarship, I decided I had to, uh, you know, show uh, some restraint. Yeah. And, and I did to a degree. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was, I, I got out in two years and, and got some wonderful experience. I studied with a wonderful teacher, James Reeves Jones, uh, who's gone now, but who really imparted a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill. And um, and participated in some wonderful performances. I feel very fortunate, and it, it sort of fell into place. You know, my friend recommended me, and otherwise, I'm not quite sure what I would have done after I graduated. Probably start teaching right away, which uh, you know would not have been good. It's better to get a graduate degree. Of course, yeah, absolutely. You you want that. Uh that you want that resume to get boosted, right? Mm-hmm. Having that graduate degree is going to separate you from other people. Um, you know, I kind of left left this this out when I was, when we were talking about it, but when 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 uh, Ken, Robert, Robert Kennedy and, and, and Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, you know, they mm-hmm. all got assassinated mm-hmm. around the same time. You had you had the Vietnam War. Was did was there any at any time any type of belief or any type of feeling that that things were just never going to get better. Oh, it was like the whole everything was falling apart. It was, you know, what is not knowing what's going to the next day is going to be like. Waking up and uh, uh, not really sure. Yeah, I mean the overall overall vibe, you know, especially I guess for the people that weren't really as open minded and weren't really paying attention, maybe they weren't as concerned, but. I mean, for those of for people like you who are, you know, for change, for mm-hmm. improvement, mm-hmm. Um, that had to have been a big blow, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think everybody was in a state of shock. It was terrible time. Yeah. But then, uh, uh, let's see, uh, the uh, Civil Rights Act was passed in 1968. So things, there were some good things. And, right. Uh, and, but, uh, you know. Unfortunately, LBJ was not uh, 
didn't run a second time, he wouldn't have been elected anyway. And uh, so we got Nixon instead. Tricky Nicky, huh? Well, not Tricky Nick. What was what was his nickname? Uh, Tricky Dick. Tricky Dick. That's right. Uh-huh, that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was something else, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the corruption and uh, uh, the duplicity and the you know he he acted like he was not prejudiced, but he was deeply, deeply yeah, prejudiced. It's like you were saying, you know, a couple of steps forward, then mm-hmm. another step back. Mm-hmm. So. You you get your uh, well, your graduate degree from SMU, right? Finally, and let's see, that was seventy three. Where where did we go then? Uh, my first teaching job was in Galveston, okay. And uh, I wish I could repeat it. Uh, as a young teacher, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, we all do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, maybe a former student of mine is hearing this and. <laughs> And I, if I ever went up, run across them, I would apologize because uh, I really uh, wasn't sure. You know, I expected to walk into a classroom and just, oh, teach us, teach us, please. <laughs> right. And, and you know, sixth, seventh, eighth graders, especially sixth graders. And Galveston is its own situation. Um, uh, and I don't want to go into that, you know, but... Uh, it was it was difficult. It had been difficult for anyone, but uh, for a, a brand new teacher, it was very difficult. Now, when did you know that that's what you wanted to do, being a teacher? Well, um, good. Uh, that was um, uh, in high school when uh, see, I made all state orchestra uh, twice, and I really loved it. And I saw that there was advancement there, and I. Loved my orchestra teacher, Evelyn Robbins. She was a very sweet lady, and I owe her a lot. She uh, she taught me a great deal, and I thought, well, hey, <laughs> this is what I want to do. You know, I, I, I want to do exactly what I'm doing uh, now. So it was it was a, the the impact of your teacher, right? It kind of made you see, like exactly, I could be her. Like right. I, could, I can I can do this exactly. So. You don't have a very pleasant experience out the gate. You're at a, I guess a middle school, right? Sixth right. and seventh graders teach, right. teaching. Uh, what you were teaching orchestra there as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about what I'm assuming you eventually things got better. So right. talk a little bit about that. The change. If did you relocate? Did you stay there? Yeah, immediately. Um, uh, uh, I was offered a job in Brazosport, uh, which is Freeport. Okay. Lake Jackson area. And that was a much better job. And, and, uh, and I had a better experience, but it was time to move on. I didn't, I didn't like living in the boonies. (laughs) And so my next job was in Klein ISD, uh, up here in North, uh, North, uh, uh, Houston. And I was selected to start the spring string program there. And a friend of mine said, uh, that you don't really know how to teach orchestra until you started a program. And so I jumped at that opportunity and just a third year teacher, but I had a lot of background and, and I knew how to start it and had a great, a, a great success there. Uh, I conducted West Side Story at the High School Musical and, and had some wonderful students. So when you, 
So when you say conducted, were you the guy that, that's doing this? Yeah, the so, guy doing so I've that. always I've always wondered. <laughs> is it what's what's going on with this? Like, what, what is does the up mean something? Does the down? Or, or, you got it. You hit it. Well, in music, there's the downbeat, which mm -hmm. is the most important, the one in the in the uh, measure, the first beat of the measure, mm -hmm. and so the downbeat and the conducting pattern is down. Oh, right? I see. And and the uh, the three and four and six and whatever follow that. But the, the downbeat and then the upbeat, the preparation for the downbeat. So is, is, uh, is each performance different? Are, are you able to kind of control the tempo with that? Or do you just kind of keep, try to keep it the same each performance? If you're lucky, if you, if you know the group and they know you and you catch their eye and you prepared them about, you know, I might want to do something different here. Watch me. Uh, and that does happen, and that's that's the real excitement. That's the real creative part of conducting. Because, like you, like you said, they have to be prepared. Because I mean, they have their sheet music there, right? right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to look at you and look at the sheet music, or well, is it? Do they have a position where sure, they can exactly they, can see both of you they raise their stands so that the conductor is just right above the music, mm. and so it's peripheral vision, it's, right? They're either they're looking at the music and seeing you peripheral, or they're looking at you and see the, the music peripherally. And and you know, kids, uh, we go over and over the music enough that they memorize that it. They're surprised bit. that they really about have it memorized. And frequently, I just have them turn the music around, just to show them how well they know the music. Yeah, I mean, I assume like it's anything else. You know, once once you might not be able to just do it like. Hey, what's like two minutes in? What's that note? But once you kind of start, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like muscle reflex, right? Just right. you, you, you know where, where which, what's the next step. Mm -hmm. So um, when you moved to, uh, what, what did you Klein. say, you Klein? Mm -hmm. Was that did you, was that high school or was that still middle school? The middle school, uh, all sixth graders. Okay, all sixth graders, and and sixth graders are a delight. You know, people say, oh, middle school. But sixth graders love you, and they they want to love you, and they want you to love them, and it's very very honest, very affectionate relationship, and it's so easy to get into their minds and make silly jokes, and they love puns, and, and <laughs> I think that's uh, that's a good age too because. You know, elementaries are elementary kids are very immature, mm -hmm. and then the high school kids are already getting corrupt. Right. So you kind of <laughs> catch them in that nice in that nice stage before you That's know true. before the corruption and right, after the right. they start gaining and, maturity. And they're they're wide eyed. This is right. you know their first year in in middle school. They're they're they realize they're growing up, and uh, uh, they're very open. Are the kids that are uh, in these programs are they or in these classes? Are they required or is this something they choose? No, this is something they choose. And I had to, uh, the, um, uh, the August before that school started, I was given a, a list of kids who took uh, a music test, a music uh, uh, ear test, mm -hmm. and that the band directors gave. And they, they let me have the, the ones that the band directors, they, they didn't sign up for band. And fortunately, uh, uh, there are kids who love music, but they don't want to be in band. 
Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, or or choir, and they just haven't. It's that clicking, like like did for me. And the, it's the beauty of the tone of a string instrument, the sonority and the richness and the and the repertoire. Though you're not that familiar with the repertoire yet, but that sinks in. And so uh, I got on the phone and uh, and flattered them a little bit about their about how they did on the test. And what exactly is a, a music ear test? Well. Um, matching pitches is this mm. pitch higher that pitch lower you know okay and uh, uh, and it is a, a pretty good indication of what their natural ear is like and uh, was able to build up a, a small class of I think it was 24 24 kids and that's a good performing group and we had a really good first concert before Christmas and 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 uh, starting from ground zero was was very impressive. Well, that's good because, like, you know, when kids are in classes that they're required to take, you know, yeah. like whether it's mathematics, science, history, whatever it may be, they don't always have that same drive, right? Uh, that same want. But if they're in this class because they want to be in it, I guess they're 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 just more determined, right, to uh -huh. do well. Yeah, and and uh, uh, I, this is not uh, uh, flattery, but I think uh, brighter kids are attracted to music, but especially to string music. There's, right. There's something about the sonority and the uh, and the, and the they can see there's a real challenge, and they they want to rise to the challenge to playing a string instrument. And uh, so I've gotten to work with some wonderful kids that way. So um, in this particular program, it was just just strings, just strings. Uh -huh. hmm. um, so what what's what's the what, what kind of advice? What's the secret on on being a good teacher? What 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 kind of some of some techniques? Now, this took me a little bit to uh, to uh, realize. Uh, I was expecting kids to know more and be able to do more than they were capable of. First is meeting them at their level and without any judgment and taking them at their level and, re and respecting them at that level and then adding on to it. Mm. And, the, and not all of them are the same, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them are going to pick up things a little bit faster. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and respecting that, and the, the ones who are a little slower, finding ways to nudge them along, mm. and but never, never shame, never embarrass them. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, I guess it's kind of like, uh, kind of like coaching, right? I'm a big sports guy. So That's the best analogy there is. Um, I've heard the people say that that music teachers are coaches, and and especially that's more of a. I mean, I guess there were some coaches that, that did it back, you know, a while ago. But like more of the new age coaching, you know, because you always see like, you know, uh, the movies where back in the day they're like cussing at the kids. Right. Or that tough love, right? Right, right. And And maybe, you know, back then it worked. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like, you know, nowadays um, it's not the best approach. Right. And sports are more competitive. True. And and you want to build, uh, I suppose they want to build on the competitive. You can do it. You can beat them. Right, right. You know, but we've gotten away from that. You know, our uh, we no longer call them contests, orchestra contests or band contests. Now they're evaluations. Oh, okay. 
but and you also do uh, there there were competitions right when you would go right. against different yeah different and, and they're the same it's just we call them something else right <laughs> um what talk a little bit about how it makes you feel when when you when you have a kid who you know they they start playing you're like oh man it's this is going to take some work right. but after some time like they you're just like a diamond you're polishing them right. and now they're shining yeah like it, it, i mean that's got to be very very rewarding it for is you. and and again uh, just taking them for what they they can give you and encouraging all the way and oh that was much better that was nice you know yeah sort of stuff but being sincere Right, always right. sincere. Yeah, you you don't you definitely don't want to to lie to them, right? right you you right. don't want to make them think they're doing better if they really aren't. You know, mm-hmm. you, you want them to realize that hey, you you need to work more on this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, honesty's uh, honesty is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, you definitely want to. They can spot it if you're not being honest. Yeah, yeah. kids are especially yeah kids especially the kids you're using. You know, they're very bright. Um, so we're we're at Klein. We're, we start the program. Yeah. I was there three years. Three years, and uh, then an opportunity came along to teach uh, at Houston Baptist University, and I thought I might want to teach college, and I was there uh, for a, a year, uh, but realized I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go back to the classroom, public school. And and what was that? Well. Um, uh, a lot of preparation for one thing. I, you know, in orchestra, I didn't have to do a lot of preparation. It was all up here. Right. But in college, you've really got to have uh, a game plan and have it all laid out and everything. And um, uh, it was, it, I was teaching how to teach, and that's pretty esoteric. And I, if I'd had uh, a couple of years at it, I would have done a better job. But being thrown at it, say, "Here, teach these classes," uh, it was uh, the uh, it was challenging. Uh, the The one that I, I had most luck with was uh, teaching uh, elementary music to non music majors. And there's a method called Kodai uh, that is very that teaches itself, and that was that was good. And I was I enjoyed that, and I think was successful. But uh, so then I was, uh, uh, I applied and got a job teaching in Pasadena at Sam Rayburn High School, uh, and following one of the one of the giants of our of our profession, uh, Dr. J. Dunahoo, and it was a wonderful wonderful orchestra already just waiting there for me, and I had uh, twelve really good years there, um, but then decided. Uh, uh, and uh, and several of those kids are teachers. I don't know if any of them are listening to this, and I'm very proud of those who went on to teaching and and uh, they they gave me many years of, of pleasure, and and I I loved the music they made, and uh, after that I went. Uh, uh, where did I go? <laughs> it all it all goes together. After that. I started the string program in, um, uh, it's coming. <laughs> uh, see, there's so many. Uh, after that, I started the string program in, well, it'll come. That's right. <laughs> and, and, I, and I stayed there three years and, and had some real success and enjoyed that. But then um, 
and you know, I had learned so much from 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 Klein that I had Umble. I started the string program in Umble. I was one of the two teachers that started the string program there. And uh, but then after that, I had the opportunity uh, to follow a real uh, fine teacher, Penny Mites, at uh, Lanier Middle School and Lamar High School here in, in Houston ISD. And uh, I knew that was it was a well-formed program already. And uh, Lanier is like a uh, is like a private school. There's incredible students. I had uh, students who, no kidding, their parents were brain surgeons, or they oh, taught wow. at Rice, or you know they taught at uh, U of H. And um, little little kids who had been playing violin for five years and who could play the notes off the page. And so it was a remarkable program. And uh, twice we were honored uh, being selected for All-State Honor Orchestra and uh, got to perform in San Antonio for the whole convention. And uh, that was a real blessing. And around the same time, I became involved in uh, uh, the politics of uh, uh of the state organizations, and I was uh, president of Texas Orchestra Directors Association, and then uh, orchestra vice president of Texas Music Educators, and got to do some wonderful things, uh, planning and and um, uh, some really some amazing opportunities with those two organizations, and had an effect on uh, you know on my f colleagues. That I that I certainly appreciate. They were wonderful, and that's that was my final fifteen years, and uh, and it uh, it was it was so gratifying. I got uh, uh, teacher of the year there, and more recently I got orchestra director of the year from uh, uh, from TODA, and I, these are things that any number of teachers uh, deserve. And I'm just fortunate to to have been there and and gotten that recognition, and I'll always be grateful. It's such a, a rewarding profession. It really is. You take that. There's so many things that you take with you that I take with me just year after year after year, and I can conjure up all these feelings and emotions, and it's it's remarkable. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Ranch Houston. Compromised of Ashe Yoga and Wellness, The Garden Project, and The Mill HTX is an intentional, conscious organization created for adults to connect to an inclusive community through art, food, nature exploration, and movement, and for school-age children to empower themselves through education on sustainability and edible gardening. Everyone is encouraged to connect to the curiosity of their inner child as they nurture their nature in a world that so often encourages separation and fear. Minority and veteran-owned, the Ranch Houston is located south of the Medical Center, and you can visit their website at www.theranchhouston.com. I highly recommend it. I've been there. It's awesome. Check it out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Apparel Up, the leading custom apparel provider in Houston, Texas. They help their customers represent their brand correctly with high-quality, long-lasting custom apparel. Whether you're in need of embroidered scrubs for your medical practice, embroidered polos for your nationwide enterprise, or screen printed shirts for your sport team, they got you covered. 
They also do the apparel for my show. So definitely buy some of that stuff too. And you can find their website at apparelup.us. Check them out. So what, what drew you to, to the, the, the whole political aspect of it, you know, being involved in these organizations? Yeah. Well, I realized uh, there was a, a, a situation that happened uh, in 1980 when I first started at Rayburn that they changed, uh, some, somebody foolishly changed the rules for contest and, and really made it much more difficult. For no reason, uh, the the um, uh, there was somebody. Well, I won't even try to speculate uh, uh, why he did it, but all of a sudden, uh, it was much more difficult than it should be, and it made it uh, harder on the kids and everything. And I stood up at convention and ranted a bit. Oh, okay, and, revolutionary, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, there we go. And uh, and just to show, just to prove to you. Uh, don't ever criticize something publicly unless you want to do it yourself. So that's what happened. Um, I was put in charge of it the next year, the UIL list. And, uh, and I'm grateful that I did. Uh, I did a lot of research and, and added a lot of tunes to the list and, and made the uh, performance uh, requirements easier in a, in a good way more more flexible not easier and um, and I got to do that two successive terms so that's what that's what drew me into it and then so that's when I ran for Texas Orchestra director and and there it's a rotating board it's a five-year uh, commitment and you start and work your way up it's really genius and so you get to see, how the organization works, uh, and work there for four years, uh, three years until you're president, and uh, and by then you've gotten your whole convention all planned and laid out, and then one more year is past president, but you're the the wise guy, and mm. so, and then that lead, led into uh, the TMEA office. And uh, our our organizations, the uh, the orchestras in uh, Texas are exemplary. Uh, uh, people all over the country are the are envious of what we have going on here, and some of it is the um, our professional organizations that uh, that provide us with uh, in training. Summer we have summer and then uh, 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 February conventions. And the uh, the in services, the meetings, the um, how to teach, uh, and also uh, uh, getting to read new music, and uh, uh, it, it's uh, the uh, the uh, aid that the um, uh, professional organizations give us are really what pushes our our teachers forward, and we make wonderful friendships, and and. Uh, it's it's a joy. I, I always say I would have paid to to do what I was doing. It and you also, I mean, you have a huge impact as a as a teacher, as a professor. You know, you're changing the lives of these kids. But when you're a part of these organizations, 
and you're a part of you're a part of a bigger change, right? Mm -hmm. That that change can ripple mm -hmm. and have a, a greater impact on more kids, right? One would hope so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and on your colleagues, provide your right, colleagues right, with exactly. opportunities and and knowledge. Yeah. So you've you've taught uh the whole spectrum of, of, of ages, right? You college um, younger kids, middle school, high yeah, school. Yeah, in, in Pasadena, I even taught some kindergarten and elementary. Oh, wow. So I've done the whole gamut and, and loved every bit of it. What, what would you say is kind of like uh, the main difference between the younger kids and the older kids? What What's kind of like, I mean, because you have to approach it differently, right? Right. Um, well, with the, uh, with the older kids, you can challenge them more. Mm. And uh, and raise standards and uh, 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 with the younger kids, it's you. It's more um, showing them that you love them. Absolutely, because I guess at that point they're it's they're at that early stage, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to push them away. Mm -hmm. You want to mm -hmm. kind of welcome them and embrace them. Mm -hmm. Um. And I don't, from just maybe it's just a stereotype, but is the type of children usually in these classes um, more from the the upper class? Is this, or do you see a, a nice diversity of? There can be, but I always was uh, uh, went out of my way to make sure that I didn't exclude anyone, and that I tried to appeal to all. And uh, and would we would provide instruments for students who couldn't otherwise, and because uh, those instruments are expensive, huh? They are, but we always had uh, some school instruments available for for those kids, and uh, and I uh, I would nurture them all, try to nurture them all. Yeah, that's good because um, you know I, I grew up in kind of a so-called kind of a the hood little mm -hmm. ghetto school and. And I'm, and you know, there's just this stigma, right? Oh, look, it's the it's the dorky orchestra kid, and you kind of right. gave him a hard t <laughs> giving him a hard time. Or dork, yeah. yeah there right. you go. Yeah. So, um, you know that that's definitely gonna push kids away, yeah. especially coming from different backgrounds. You know, right. they, they don't want to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's good to have people like you who who are like, hey, no, it's fine. You know, we we, we got the instruments here for you. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to help mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, you know, music, um, it's going to help you in so many ways. You know, being being able to, to, to it's, 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 it improves your discipline. Um, it, it improves your your mind. Mm -hmm. um, it's a way of, of coping with emotion. It's an outlet. Mm. And you, you definitely yeah. don't want to restrict that from anyone mm -hmm. due, due to mm -hmm. their economic situation. Mm -hmm. They uh, have uh, done studies about how uh, music uh, involves all areas of the brain. Right, right. And of course, it's, it's hearing, it's seeing, it's touch. It's everything but smell. Yeah. <laughs> and... and uh, uh, but it's uh, by involving all areas of the brain, it uh, it is a, a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, it's also like you hear um, having babies listening to like classical mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. You know, my my little girl, I, I always have her listening to classical music. Sweet. You know, um, Sweet. 
and anything anything I can I can do to you know get her ahead of the curve you know that's what you want to do that's great um, especially she's a little baby like she right. doesn't she, she didn't care like you, right. you put on put on some Mozart or some Beethoven or something and uh, you know it, it'll have a positive impact in the future there's um, uh, um, if I can't tell you exactly what it is uh, I can uh, research it but there's a um, a program that's it's visual it's it's animated and it's there's sounds also but uh it's of, of an infant and it's kind of uh it's kind of abstract a little you know it's animation so right. it isn't and uh and it calms children tremendously and you know if if she is ever having a Fit, yeah. Fit. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yeah, if she's finding things difficult, I think it would be a wonderful thing. It's funny you say that because just uh, like last night, um, you know, she was a little cranky, and uh, and my girlfriend put on a YouTube video, and and it and it was like you said, like this abstract pictures and like a, a cartoon sun and different colors and. Mm-hmm. The, the calming uh, mm-hmm. melodies, mm-hmm. and she just, she's just like, she's just got glued to it. She Sweet. was just sitting there looking at it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah good. And I was like, I was looking at it, and I was like, wow, like this. Is it the same to you? <laughs> no, no, it, it, it didn't. I, it I was, calmed you. I was just fascinated <laughs> right. by her reaction. Right, isn't that and, great? Isn't that great? And uh, uh, we need to take advantage of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during this time, you know, you're, you're teaching, um, were you doing a lot of performing yourself? Uh, yes, um, uh, with uh, several community orchestras. When I was up in uh, Klein, I performed with and, and conducted some, the uh, Symphony North. And then when I was in Pasadena, I was a founding member of Pasadena Philharmonic and conducted them some too. And... Um, now I am uh, assistant conductor and principal bass of the Echo Orchestra, Energy Corridor Orchestra, which a former, uh, uh, which a, a colleague of mine, I, I sort of mentored him, uh, uh, Mike Fahey, is uh, is conductor, and uh, uh, and it's a wonderful experience, and I'm looking forward to uh, starting again. And uh, I think it's May seventh. We got a performance again. And we're going to be spread out, and I think it's some uh, uh, live and some virtual. And uh, I'll have to get out the old bass and start practicing again. And, and I'm sure you miss it, right? Oh yeah. I mean, because there's nothing. I mean, I guess like again, the 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 sports comparison, right? Like, there's nothing like. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's good for me just to get out to the park and you know shoot a couple baskets, but. There's nothing like that game, man. There's right. there's nothing, especially when you got a crowd watching, you got mm-hmm. the, the cheering and all right. that. Um, obviously, when you're performing, there's, they're they're not cheering and stuff, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but is, is is there some type of emotional rush? Like, what, what? How do you? How are you feeling? Or are you just too focused on actually playing your instruments? That well, what's what's like going on through through emotionally? Uh, well, that's kind of hard to describe. It is. It's a very intense. Thing that involves you know all the senses again, and um, uh, sort of lost in it, mm. and uh, in the zone. Yeah, yeah, 
And uh, uh, the, the applause makes it all come together. When, when, you give, when you give pleasure to people and they appreciate it and they show their appreciation, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, that's that's true. You know, um, I, I guess I would equate it to like, uh, to like comedy, making somebody laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pleasure, right? Who doesn't Absolutely. like who doesn't like laughing? Mm-hmm. And I, I always feel good when I'm able to do that. You know, um, it sometimes I, I only do it just because of that. You mm-hmm. know, just mm-hmm. to make somebody laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rewarding for me. Um, where, where is that, what do you usually perform when you do with the Echo? Uh, we've had a variety of places, uh, because it's uh, a low budget. We, you know, we look for free venues mm-hmm. and mostly in churches. Okay. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta definitely, do you know where that's going to be or, or where? Yeah. And I can never remember. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a St. St. John. It's one of the St. John's. And I can't. It's a Catholic church. Is there is there a website people can go look to? to yeah, Echo Orchestra. Echo Orchestra. Echo uh, Orchestra Houston. And uh, yes, that'd be great. Yeah, folks, y'all need to y'all need to Google that. Go to the <laughs> website. Check it out. I'm I'm definitely going to try to be there. Great. I'd you love know, it. Um, I, I I really do enjoy um, classical music. Mm-hmm. You know, do, what do I usually play? Just. Just uh, y'all you have a certain type of composers. Y'all doing your original oh, pieces. Variety. Wide variety. variety. Yeah, and and we're going to do Anna Klein and Nach music, which you would recognize. Bum, bum, bum. bum oh bum, 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 man, bum, bum. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, By the way, I got a joke for you. What is it? And you'll be able to work it into your act real easily. Uh, went to a bar last night, uh-huh. and I was sitting there having a drink. And just calmly drinking. And I heard this voice. Hey, nice shoes. And I look around. There's nobody there. Still drinking. Hey, great shirt. Bartender, what is it? I keep hearing little voices. And it says, oh, don't worry about that. It's the peanuts. They're complimentary. <laughs> it always okay. gets well out. It's good. Even it's if good. you've heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never heard that one before. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to steal that. <laughs> I'll definitely have to use that. Um, so I know now you you do a lot of like private lessons, right? I well, do. obviously, COVID. Right. We've, we've kind of, we haven't even talked about COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, the Isn't elephant nice? in the room. Isn't that great? Um, <laughs> so we're actually at about a year. Right, we're at a year mm, when exactly. where things started kind of shutting down mm. and jobs going remotely. Um, take me back to when you kind of realized what was going on and things are shutting down. Mm. How how did that kind of affect you? Well, first, I, I, my private lessons, I always went to their house because the. Bass is, you know, such a big and wieldy instrument, right. and and asking them to come here, yeah. and uh, you know, go up the elevator, and everything. so uh, I would go to their house, make it easier on everybody, and um, and uh, the largest I had a studio of about ten students, and we would give a recital at, in May every year, and it was really great, and. I love showing off how they progress year after year, and the parents enjoy seeing that. But then um, uh, the COVID kicked in, and uh, 
And I was down to one student. I'm down to one student, and he's a senior, graduating senior. And uh, uh, he's one of my better students, and I'm really proud of him. Uh, he's not going to major in music, but I, I feel like he will continue in one way or another, like a community orchestra or something. So, um, so I feel uh, privileged to have been a part of his life. Uh, I started him in the third grade and all the way. Wow. Yeah, he was a little kid. You said you've seen the whole gamut of changes. Right, there. right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, how how do you would you say it kind of affected you like in your in your personal life though? Like uh, obviously, you can't go anywhere really. You know, you gotta spend time at home all the time because of COVID. Right. Um, how how did you know? I know that uh, COVID, at least for me, I'm, I'm a very social person i love going out mm -hmm. hanging out with my friends you know um and and a lot of the population it's really taking a toll mm -hmm. especially mentally you know um talk a little bit about you know maybe what you did to 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 pass the time or to kind of just <laughs> you know keep your sanity you yeah. know this, this well, is not i love to read okay and uh netflix and amazon and and uh channel eight and npr uh, are my, are my. What kind of books do you like to read? Well, right now I'm reading a book called Wagnerism about Richard Wagner and his effect on music. So non nonfiction is your preference, uh, or either either. Or? Yeah, nonfiction. If I if I read fiction, it's uh, probably pretty linear. I don't care for uh, 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 literature that skips around a lot. Mm. Yeah, I. I uh, I remember I used to not read a lot. Then I, well, I read it when I was, you know, obviously in school. And then I kind of stopped reading for a while, and then I jumped back into it. And uh, I started with like, kind of more like, like James Patterson cheesy type books. Mm -hmm. Then I Sidney Sheldon, which uh, Sidney Sheldon's pretty good. Then I kind of graduated and started moving more towards like, Salman Rushdie, and mm -hmm. you know, some more that's challenging. Oh, it's, that's that's probably my favorite author. Wow. I love. Julian Barnes, um, and I, you know I can't do like uh, I can't do like sci-fi or mm. you know, fantasy. Well, one sci-fi, you know, Strangers in a Strange Land. You know that one. I, I don't the classic. Know. I haven't read that. Well, eight, 1984. Oh yeah. You know, you, I guess that classifies as sci-fi in a way. Sort of. So right. Really, yeah. Um, and I guess if you want to get technical, right? Like Animal Farm, talking to animals. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I can't like even like now with movies, like I can't I can't do any of the Marvel stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I it needs to be real, like yeah. it needs to be something that's 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 plausible. Right. Some, you know, I I need that real emotion. And or, I don't like the violence. Uh, I I guess I'm not I'm not I'm, I, I like violence if it's done in a, in a certain way, like if it if it. It makes sense, right? Not, it not is part of the story, right, exactly. Not, not some just mm, shoot him up. Mm, um, I saw the uh, the John Wick movie the other day. I had never mm, seen it, mm, and it's and it it's just so much senseless killing, like mm, like a lot of killing. And I'm, mm, I'm just like mm, after after like the first twenty dead bodies, I'm just like okay, <laughs> you know, it's twenty one. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. It's just it's just they're overkilling it, but. Um, you know, I do like movies like uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. 
Um, sure. Braveheart, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you do it in a tasteful way, obviously you're talking about historical battles, right? Mm -hmm. You can't avoid that. Um, so I kind of feel like if you do that in, in, in the right way, then then I, I can I can do it. It's not it's not too uh, distasteful. We're almost at the point where you know uh, President Biden came on TV the other day. We're doing the whole mass vaccinations. You know, we're really pushing that. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal, you know, he said by 4th of July, mm -hmm. you can barbecue with the family, maybe a couple of close friends. Mm -hmm. I know you've gotten the, well, how many vaccines? I've gotten both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Okay. When did um, you get the second Mer one? Merdona. Moderna. There we go. When did you get the second? The second uh, one? It was about three weeks ago, I think. Three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, how, did, how did that go? How did you feel after that one? Uh, the first one, I had no reaction whatsoever. The second one... Uh, the second day, I was feeling kind of punky. I, mm -hmm. I felt kind of virusy, and but just went to bed and woke up. Everything was fine. So just like a, a twenty-four hour. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. So that was like uh, that was before the before the freeze, right? Or after the freeze? Oh goodness! It all slurs together. <laughs> For, uh, for the, before before yeah. the freeze, uh, um, yeah. for those of you not a, not from Texas, because I, I have listeners all over the world, um, you know, we we went through a, a pretty unique experience here in Texas. Uh, Texas is not used to this type of weather that hit us. Um, what when was it, like a month ago now, or four weeks ago, something yeah. like that. Um, you know, Charles and Sam were very generous. Allowed me and my and my girlfriend and, and our baby to come over. We we didn't have any power, you know. Our pipes froze, so we didn't have any water. Um, they allowed us to come over, uh, charge up the appliances, and uh, cook some food. You know, I I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like we we charge up all these all these appliances, do all this, and then we get home and we have power. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had power. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that that it, evening. Yeah. yeah, but hey, you know it's better to be prepared than sorry, right? Right. We're almost at. Are you kind of excited? Are you Are you looking forward to finally getting back to some type of? I of certainly norms? am. As a matter of fact, we're going to New Orleans. Uh, oh, that's right. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow. The, yeah, You're tomorrow. Right. The yeah. big easy. Yeah. Um. So I've been to New Orleans. I've been to New Orleans twice, and. That's not uh, I know. It's, it's um I went there for like uh they have this 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 convention for the 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 service industry but mainly for bartenders. Mm. Um That's a great place to have. Yeah, I forgot what it, uh, I forgot what it's called, but they have it every year and uh man, it's 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 just it's so unique. I am a big fan of architecture. Mm. And you know and they they have that classic look, mm -hmm. you know, the buildings, mm -hmm. the houses. There's no place like it in you America. You know the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then you want to talk about music, uh, jazz. Uh -huh. Um so I I know you you know obviously you're a huge fan of the classical music. Did you ever you know, kind of, especially. I mean, you grew up during during the '60s, right? Mm -hmm. Zeppelin and you know Beatles uh, and uh, uh, Rolling Stones. I mean, did you venture out into? Well, I, I loved the the Beatles and the Stones, right? And um, and I did some jazz. Okay. Um, you know, North Texas has a big jazz program, and and I jammed at least one Sunday with uh, with 
several one o'clock band people, and uh, uh, I did some sort of uh, jazz, piano-based drums, uh, dinner music, jazz. Okay. And uh, you know, the the great thing about being a bass player is that you get to play all all kinds of music. Right. I've done. I've been mariachi too. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you only play bass, or do you play other st- other instruments? Well, piano, some, and uh, though not like what I used to, the fingers aren't responsive. But uh, yeah, uh, piano, bass, and uh, and enough of the other instruments, violin, viola, and cello, to be able to get a good start for uh, for beginners. Okay, so jazz is. Uh obviously different right than than Mm -hmm. classical music you know one thing about jazz it's it's really known for like it's like it's it's more improvisational right right um what what, what's like the main difference for you when when you're jamming out to absolutely uh you know very little uh it's very visual very little help with the music and you and you use your ear and your knowledge of key signatures and key changes uh and then uh, throw in some syncopation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what's uh, what's some good places to check out in New Orleans? Well, I don't know if it's, I think it closed. The um, Preservation Hall was the, oh, uh, I heard was the great place. place. And of course, after COVID, I'm sure it, it probably is no longer operative. But I would not uh, generally... Uh, Stay off of Bourbon Street, and uh, um, there's like there's that other street though. Yeah, I, um, Fishman. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I would recommend going. There's uh, the Black Cat. Was, I think I've been there. Yeah, yeah and uh, and several others. Just walking down that street, and you can pause outside. They they're loud enough, and they've got windows, and you can see and hear. And uh, they're very generous about sharing music. Oh yeah, and and even even like the street performers, right? right. There, I remember there was when I went there, there was there was a group, um, and man, they were just killing it, just uh-huh. just outside on the right, corner, right? Some excellent, excellent. Uh, and I've got a story about that. My friend Mike Fahey that I told you about, who was with Echo Orchestra, um, his daughter was uh, he and his daughter attended a, a Suzuki, which is a way of teaching violin to young students. They were at a Suzuki workshop in uh, New Orleans, and they both had their violins, and she was, I don't know, like six or seven, mm-hmm. maybe younger, and had her little violin, you know, violins come in all sizes, and he had his fiddle. He's a wonderful fiddle player. And uh, they were walking down the street, and, and he said, well, let me show you something. So they stopped on the corner. Fortunately, there wasn't, there weren't buskers on the tor- uh, on the corner. They would gotten mad, and they opened up their cases, and she he had her play like "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" and the, you know the usual mm-hmm. easy tunes. And he was doing all sorts of things all around her. Right. And uh, and they got an audience immediately. You know they just thought they were New Orleans, and uh, and the, suddenly the the coins and bills started flowing right and in about an hour they had over sixty dollars so nice. so they went and had a great lunch somewhere and that convinced uh, Fiona that this is this is something cool 
Oh know, yeah, that I can do with my dad too. Inter- I mean, I mean, entertainers, right? That's that's they're the ones that make the big bucks, mm-hmm. you know. Because I mean, at the end of the day, people love to be entertained, right? Whether it's visually or you mm-hmm. know, audibly, they 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 love it, mm-hmm. you know. I would say I haven't traveled as much as I've wanted to, but if I had to compare New Orleans in terms of the street performances, you know, New York is another place. Mm-hmm. You know, you. I remember I've been to New York once, um, graduated high school, and I remember I was on the subway. Right. And <laughs> this this man and his two kids – I guess they're going from cart right, to cart right, right. and they get to ours and they start doing like these crazy gymnastic stuff and mm-hmm. like hanging off the bars and like doing the, I guess the flag where mm-hmm. he like puts his legs straight mm-hmm. out. And uh, I was like, what was that? Like, what? <laughs> that was interesting, you know? Um, are you, are you, I'm assuming you've done a little bit of traveling yourself. Oh, great deal. Yeah. What, what would, is that an accurate comparison you would say, New York to? Yeah, but the good thing about New Orleans is it's so compact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, New York's a lot bigger. And it's more like a concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess New Orleans too, there's not as much, I guess, as uh, much greenery, parks and stuff over there as well. But, um, New York, I would assume, in terms of for like music, they they have some oh, yeah. good stuff over there, but just not maybe like a different genre, right? Right, right. Did you check out any music over there? Oh, sure. You know the opera and the mm-hmm. symphony and the ballet, and yeah, yeah. Of course, it, it, that's all been on hold. Right. We'll see how quickly it comes back. I really Broadway, feel sorry. of course. Yeah, yeah. Especially Broadway. I really feel sorry for my. Uh, uh, professional musician friends who that is their bread and butter because they've they've been deprived of that completely yeah yeah well i mean like like you know you know with the the vaccine now and mm-hmm. you know everybody getting getting their shot uh hopefully within the next couple of months you know we can crank things up again huh yeah i hope so i probably not so soon as fall but maybe a week, a year from now, mm-hmm. next uh, spring, next winter and spring, uh, things will but fall into place. Don't again. tell that to Governor Abbott. Uh, <laughs> He's already cranked it up. Uh, what was your response to that? How did you feel about that? I know, I know. Uh, when when it happened, it was especially because there there was no lead up to it, right? right. And he was all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I got this big announcement. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what?" Mandate, mask mandates over with. Right. We're cranking things up. Yeah. Well, I understand uh, uh, wanting to help businesses, especially small businesses. Right. And, and people like waiters who are dependent upon uh, restaurants. But, uh, you know, it's it's a balanced thing that I'm, I'm afraid uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, I hope it works out. But it, it it depends upon if people wear their masks or not. Right. You know, a lot of places that I've seen, they're like, look, we know that the mandate has been removed, but we're still requiring it. Right, right. You know, HEB, a big you know corporation, mm-hmm. Init- mm-hmm. initially, they're like, well, we're going to require employees to do it, but for customers, it's mm-hmm. going to be 
where we recommend mm-hmm. and then the employees got mad they're like no nah, why why are you making us do it right and but no, not making them and so they no. changed their position no, and now they're, right. they're like no we're we're going to require yeah. customers to wear it as well i mean i understand like you said i understand small businesses are have been affected so much um i would just i would if it was me I would say, hey, let's just wait until more people are vaccinated, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then at that point, if you want to crank things just up. a month then, or two. Exactly. Yeah, because uh, um, the, the waves, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you do it too soon, then then it comes back even worse. Right. And, and but it, it's sad that, um, that Trump made it a political issue. It's very sad. Because uh, just recently there was a woman who went crazy. Um, went, went crazy why? Uh, because they were gonna. They asked her to leave. Oh, because she wasn't wearing a mask. Right, right. And I just don't understand that. It's it's a my it's a kind of respect. Yeah, it's it's crazy like how things that shouldn't be made political mm. get made political. Mm-hmm. Like wearing a mask has nothing to do with whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Mm-hmm. It's a health issue. Right. We have science. And mutual respect. Yeah. Goodness I mean, gracious. Yeah, I mean, we understand that, yeah, this affects a certain uh, portion of the population more than, than others. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we all have parents. Mm-hmm. We all have people that that can be affected differently than you. You, you might be a young person who's in, in good health and you're not worried about it. Mm-hmm. But you can be a carrier. You can pass it on to so and so. Pass it on, so and then all of a sudden, somebody's somebody dies because you don't want to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you know, I look at uh, the people in the in the health profession industry having to wear a mask twelve hours a day. Really, you know, they it's nurses tragic. and doctors. You know, mm-hmm. they take their masks off to have this imprint. Like mm-hmm. if they can wear it. For 10, 12 hours straight, mm. you can't wear it for mm-hmm. 20 minutes in a store? Right. Is that really too much to ask? You ask uh, how much travel. I wanted to point this out. I got this in San Miguel de Allende. Where, where's, where's that at? San, San Miguel. Uh-huh. Uh, out of uh, San Luis Potosi. Do you know San oh, Luis? Oh, Mexico. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. North of Mexico City, about uh, 60 miles. I don't know if the camera can catch that, but I believe that's the Virgin Mary. Right. And that's uh, that's that's hand painted, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very it's, nice it's, piece. Uh, it's uh, uh, native art, but uh, yeah, and I got that in New York. Got that in San Antonio. Got that in Denton. I love uh, collecting art wherever I go. Yeah, I definitely need to step up my art game, <laughs> especially. Right. With the recent purchase of the house, you know, I want to kind of spruce it up a little bit. Right. So what is the plan going forward? Do we have anything going on? Do we have any aspirations? Like what is some goals? What does the future look for Charles? Well, it's Charles and Sam. Charles and Sam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the good part. I've got, I've got a partner and, uh, and we are a team. And uh, uh, that's my goal right now is to uh, lead a happy, uh, productive life. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, 
Uh, that's uh, whole, that should be everybody's goal. Uh-huh. Uh, indeed, you know, trying to find that that happy medium. You know, especially when you're in, uh, when you're when you're married. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a uh, it's 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 one of those things where you gotta you gotta find that uh, that compromise, um, and just yeah, be happy. You mm-hmm. know, because without happiness, like right. everything else is gonna the, fall apart. People forget, uh, you know, the the country was founded uh, during the Enlightenment, and that's why. Uh, uh, the Declaration of Independence says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The happiness was very important to our founding fathers, but you need uh, you need the ability to you need the uh, everything to allow it yeah. to be happy. And and with the important, to, it's important to note that pr- your pursuit of happiness cannot infringe <laughs> on somebody else's here, happiness. Here. Advice, right? Because that's, that's yeah. important, right? Right. People are going to say, oh, well, no, 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 no. It, it, I, I, it makes me happy. Right. I should be able to do it. Right. Say, right. well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you doing that, you're affecting these people. Right. Like that's that, exactly. that's important, right? Mm-hmm. We're in a time now, um, you know, I was saying this before, in my lifetime, this is the most divided I've ever seen this country. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I'm 36 years old, mm-hmm. so I haven't seen as much as mm-hmm. definitely as much but as I agree. you. I agree. Well, you you would say that as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, the Vietnam War mm-hmm. caused a great deal of of uh, division, but you know, like I said, that lady who refused to put on a mask. Uh, I don't remember anything like that. In uh, uh, I, I mean, the 60s. Wow. I mean. To, to say that from you, you know, who's seen a lot, that's 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 that's, that's saying a lot, you yeah. know, to, to say that even for you, like right now, um, and it's you know when you have the internet, social media, mm-hmm. which everyone's all oh, the internet's great, it's right. awesome, um, okay, but what social media is is like monster, this plague, this virus, right. it is awful, yeah, and uh, it 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 has been used. To divide, mm-hmm. and you know the only thing I I ask you know I don't care, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're a socialist, you're a li- whatever, as long as you're for the promotion of peace, mm-hmm. for the promotion of bringing people together, mm-hmm. then you're a part of the solution. Right. But if you're a person who wants to stand there and 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 talk negatively on people and 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 want to separate people. Then you're a part of the problem, mm-hmm. you know. This and that's is, apparently some people's goal. Exactly, and I just I really don't understand it. I, I don't I don't know why you would want to promote that. Um, this this country, like you said, you know, it's 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 fragile right now. You know, it's a very important time, and we need to really kind of look at ourselves and say, you know, are we a part of the problem or we're a part of the solution? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, you might not be around, you know, for however much longer, but do you, I mean, you have kids, you have nieces, you have nephews. Don't you want their lives to be better? Like, why would you try to make things worse? You know, it's very selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we really, I mean, we're human beings. We're all brothers and sisters you know, I'm not a very religious person, but I do believe in community. 
Right. And I do believe helping out your fellow man just because it's what you should do. See, that's right out of the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> you would have made a good hippie. Oh, man. In many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I tell myself, like, um, if I so I, if I could have like grown up in any, any time, it would have probably been either the sixties or the seventies. Like I really love disco, so I wouldn't have minded. <laughs> get, I would not have mind. Yeah, I would not have minded doing some John Travolta dancing in the, oh, at the discotheque. Or I mean, yeah. I, I love classic rock. Zeppelin, mm -hmm. my favorite band, the Stones, the Beatles. The problem is, it's just a period. And it, oh it's yeah. Gone. It's good, you know. It, it, apparently, it, it's still going on in Europe. Like they still got disco techs over there, right, you know. Yeah, yeah. But over here, that you know, disco's dead, burning mm -hmm. up all the disco albums and stuff mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't care. I still jam it. You know, with the, with the internet nowadays, you know, you can you can find anything. Well, Charles, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I really, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man. <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, well, it, this it's funny because I remember uh, uh, last time uh, when you came over with your family, and I, I later said I think over the telephone or something said, "Well, I'm glad that's this is the first time we've really gotten to talk." Right. Exactly. And yeah. So now this is an extension of that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Victor. Thank you, Charles. Folks, y'all have a good one. Adios.